Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast. Today we're in a hurry, so let's roll. By 1985, the international and economic cul-de-sac of the Soviet Union were obvious. Therefore, reformation and restructuring of the Soviet system was inevitable. The huge state needed a reformer who would take the empire out of its crisis and simultaneously preserve the basis of the existing political regime. In March 1985, Mikhail Gorbachev, who came to power after the end of the rule of a peculiar gerontocracy of Leonid Brezhnev, Yuri Andropov, and Konstantin Cherenenko, became the reformer. Gorbachev initiated a reorganization that was much more thorough than any other reforms in the recent past of the Soviet Union. The cornerstone of the perestroika policy was the principle that all reforms had to take place in the framework of socialist choice. In the end, the main aim of perestroika was to get the ruling regime out of the crisis by improving and reforming it. it failed. Instead of preserving the empire, the policy of perestroika led to the breakup of the Soviet Union in 1991 and abandonment of the socialism as a model for society. To sum up, perestroika meant a demolition which led to the disappearance of the Soviet Empire and the breakup of the so-called Soviet world, at least in Europe as a whole. In its turn, this gave a historic chance to small nations to restore their independence. New Period of Awakening The leadership of the Estonian SSR, headed by Karl Vino, was convinced that the innovation initiated by Moscow would soon die away, and the life would continue in the old way. These hopes failed. In the Estonian SSR, the stuffy atmosphere of stagnation started to break up at the end of 1986, when plans by Moscow, supported by the leaders of the Estonian SSR, to open new phosphorite mines in Estonia, became public. The plans caused active protest in Estonian society, which in the spring of 1987 grew into an extensive phosphorite mine campaign that gradually became more political in nature. The campaign gave the Estonian people the chance to experience the power of unity for the first time. As a consequence of the protest, the preparatory works for opening the new mine had to be stopped. In the middle of August 1987, a group of dissidents laid the foundation for purely political developments. They established the Estonian Group for Publicizing the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. The group organized a political meeting in Hirve Park in Tallinn on the 23rd of August, where the 1939 secret agreement between Hitler and Stalin and its tragic consequences for the Baltic nations were openly discussed. Although official propaganda attempted to, to disparage the Hervé Park event in every possible way, the meeting became an important signpost for further organization and politicization of society. This process included several developments. At the end of 1987, the first mass organizations relying on the people's initiative and democratic principles, the Estonian Heritage Society, was established. At the beginning of the following year, 
a call was made for forming the first political party, the Estonian National Independence Party. The party was formed in August of the same year. The EMS and the ERSP attached great importance to bringing historically important dates into the consciousness of the Estonian people. In February 1988, they organized widespread celebrations of the anniversaries of the Tartu Peace Treaty on the 2nd of February and the Estonian Republic on the 24th of February. A month later, the tragic events of the March deportation of 1949 were commemorated. The growth of political activity and emergence of different popular organizations came as a surprise to the political leaders of the Estonian SSR. Their reaction to these processes was to use the old, well-tried methods. The demonstrations, which took place in Tartu on 2nd of February, was opposed by units of the militia equipped with plastic shields and bloodhounds. Luckily, no more serious clash between the demonstrators and the militia took place. April 1988 became revolutionary for Estonian society in several ways. At the beginning of April, the joint plenary session of the Creative Associations took place, indicating the fact that the Creative Intelligentsia had actively joined the process of change in society. The plenary session gave much attention to the situation of national culture. A number of demands were made to the central powers and dissatisfaction was expressed in the activities of the authorities of the Estonian SSR, especially those of Karl Vaino and the chairman of the Soviet of Ministers of the ESSR, Bruno Saul. These demands received nationwide support. In the middle of April, an appeal was made on the popular TV program Mutlama Vale for the formation of an Estonian popular front to support Perestroika. The idea was widely supported by people, and in a short period, the Popular Front became the most numerous mass organization in Estonia. In the middle of April, during a Heritage Day in Tartu, the blue, black, and white national flag made its first appearance in public. The Singing Revolution Criticism of the leadership of the Estonian SSR became more and more open. Karl Vino, who was opposed even by members of the higher leadership of the ECP, did not want to take voluntary leave. This caused a power crisis, which became especially obvious in June 1988. This was made even clearer by the fact that a political mass meeting at the Tallinn Song Festival grounds, organized by the Popular Front, was approaching, and there was a fear that the authorities would not be able to control the development of the events. In this situation, Moscow finally understood the necessity of replacing the leadership figure of the Estonian SSR. On 16th of June, Karl Vino was dismissed from the post of first secretary of the Central Committee of the ECP. In his place, the candidate of Vino Valyas was suggested. He had been hurriedly recalled from his diplomatic post in Latin America. The change of leadership temporarily alleviated the tension in society. The demonstration called by the Popular Front at the Song Festival grounds on the 17th of June was meant to apply pressure to the authorities. The 150,000 participants 
carrying blue, black, and white national flags were triumphant. The political demands presented to the authorities were clear. They had to stand up for the rights of Estonia and Moscow. A week later, according to decisions of the Supreme Soviet of the Estonian SSR, the blue, black, and white flag became once again the national flag of Estonia. Simultaneously, the restoration of the awareness of history was continued. An important role in this process was played by the press and television media, which enjoyed a decrease in the pressure of censorship. The ECP tried to keep up with the events and, after its leadership had been replaced, began to support the idea of self-financing of the Estonian SSR the national flag, and the need to proclaim the Estonian language as the official language in Estonia. But the leaders of the ECP were always a step behind events and therefore were not able to direct their development. The tidal wave of the national movement culminated in September 1988 with the mass event Estima Laul, Estonian Song, organized by the Popular Front. This became a national demonstration of an unusual extent in which at least 300,000 people participated, alongside slogans calling for democratization of the existing society. The idea of restoration of the independence of Estonia was expressed in public. To oppose rise in nationalism, the force supporting the empire also became organized in 1988. In the summer, the heads of factories of all union importance initiated the formation of the International Movement of Workers of the Estonian SSR. And in the autumn, they also established the Joint Soviet of Workers Collectives. The supporters of these two organizations considered Estonia as an inseparable part of the Soviet Empire. The laws on language and citizenship that were being drafted received powerful criticism from them. By the autumn of 1988, distinctive features of the political landscape had developed clearly in the Estonian SSR. The general picture was as follows. The nationalist forces had adopted the idea of restoration of independence, which was opposed by the idea of status quo, that nothing should be changed in the empire of the empire's supporters. The National Front, which held its founding conference in the autumn of 1988, as well as the National Communist in the ECP, supported the idea of concluding an agreement of federation with Moscow, which would give Estonia a confederate status within the Soviet Union. Strong opposition to this idea from Moscow as well as developments in the domestic policy of the Estonian SSR, made the political leaders of Estonia give up the idea of federation and begin the process of restoration of the independence of Estonia. This idea was finally formulated by the spring of 1990. Declaration of Independence In the initial years of Perestroika, the relationship between the Estonian SSR and the central powers of the USSR remained practically unchangeable. Estonia had to continue as part of the great power with the rights of a fraternal union republic. With the increase of democratization in society, the idea of 
a confederate relationship became popular by the end of 1988, which would have given Estonia greater independence of decision as a federal republic within the Soviet Union. The new status would have to be fixed by an agreement of federation. Moscow found this idea unacceptable because it endangered the idea of integrity of the empire. In an attempt to maintain control over the growing nationalist movements in the Union Republics, the authorities of the Soviet Union took the direction of improving the constitution of the USSR in the spirit of perestroika. Several Union Republics, Estonia included, saw danger for the process of democratization and the development. The open discussion of improvements to the constitution divided Estonian society into two distinct wings, the nationalists and the supporters of the empire. Opposition also increased in the administrative structure of the Estonian SSR, including the ECP. The constitutional crisis found its logical solution in the extraordinary session of the Supreme Soviet of the Estonian SSR on the 16th of November, 1988 which adopted the Declaration of Sovereignty and amendments to the Constitution of the Estonian SSR. The Declaration of Sovereignty stated the supremacy of the legislation of the Estonian SSR over the laws and regulations of the authorities of the USSR. Relations between the central power of the Soviet Union and the Union Republic had to be based on the Agreement of Federation. Thus, for the first time in the history of Soviet power, the question of Estonian statehood, although in a restricted form, was raised publicly and officially. The decision on the 16th of November, 1988, turned the problem of Estonia into an object of international policy. The negative reaction from Moscow did not succeed in stopping the development of subsequent events but rather had the opposite effect. In January 1989, the language law was adopted, which gave the Estonian language the status of the official language. Shortly afterwards, on the 24th of February, was declared as Independence Day. On the evening before the Independence Day, the flag of the Estonian SSR was lowered from Peak Hermann Tower in Tallinn. And at dawn on the 24th February, the tricolor was hoisted. These steps met with strong protest from the supporters of the empire. They demanded that the northeast of Estonia should be changed into an autonomous province, form strike committees, and strengthen the Moscow-minded propaganda among the Rus Russian-speaking population. In the first months of 1989, Nationalist forces organized themselves more clearly. On Independence Day, the movement of the Committees of Citizens was started, which became very popular. The aim of the political movement was to restore Estonian independence, relying on legal continuity. In order to achieve this, the citizens of the Estonian Republic were to be registered according to the law of citizenship of the former independent Estonian Republic. The registered citizens had to elect a representative organ, the Congress of Estonia. 
In February 1990, elections to Congress of Estonia took place. More than 520,000 registered citizens and more than 34,000 applicants for citizenship voted. Neither the Popular Front nor the ECP recognized the movement of the Committee of Citizens. Later, their attitude changed slightly, but they still rejected the movement. It was not until just before the election that their attitude changed completely. For this reason, the membership of the Congress of Estonians was formed of representatives of different political groups. Emigre Estonians also took part in the elections. In March 1990, the first session of the Congress of Estonia took place. The schedule of activities adopted were foresaw the opening of negotiations with the Western countries and the Soviet Union in order to achieve the end of occupation and restoration of independence. As an executive organ of the Congress of Estonia, the Estonian Committee, or Esti Komite, was elected, which had 78 members and was chaired by Tune Kelon. Also in March 1990, the 20th Congress of the ECP, the biggest political change, took place. The party had split in two, the independent ECP, consisting of the National Communist and the Moscow-minded Estonian Organization of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. This concluded the long process of peaceful decline of the old power and did away with the final considerable internal obstacle to the way of restoration of independence. In March 1990, Elections to the Supreme Soviet of the Estonian SSR were also organized. These were the first more or less democratic elections in a period of 50 years in which all the most important political forces participated. Arnold Rutel, who had been chairman of the previous presidium of the Supreme Soviet of the ESSR since 1983, was elected as chairman of the new Supreme Soviet. The government of the ESSR, headed by Indrik Tome, left office and Edgar Savisar was appointed by the Supreme Soviet as the new head of government. The smooth cooperation which had been hoped for between the Estonian Committee, the Supreme Soviet, and the government did not come to pass. Since 1989, one of the most topical themes in relations with the Central Powers has been giving a legal assessment of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, which we will refer to as the MRP in the future. The Supreme Soviet of the Estonian SSR of the time condemned the MRP. The Estonian delegates succeeded in including the question of the MRP on the agenda of the supreme organ of power of the perestroika period. The Congress of People's Representatives of the Soviet Union in order to consider the question, a special committee was formed, but given legal assessment of the secret agreement between Hitler and Stalin dragged on in Moscow. On the anniversary of the MRP on the 23rd of August, 1989, the popular fronts of the Baltic countries organized a unique protest action. An unbroken human chain was formed reaching from Vilnius to Tallinn. The length of the Baltic chain was 600 kilometers and about 2 million people participated in it, including my wife. They claimed freedom for the Baltic countries. 
The action of the Baltic chain essentially contributed to the worldwide recognition of the problems of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. In Moscow, the joint event of the Baltic nations was labeled as an action promoting nationalist hysterics. At the end of 1989, the Congress of the People's Representatives of the Soviet Union finally admitted the existence of the secret protocols of the MRP and declared them unlawful. This created a basis for the subsequent developments. The Supreme Soviet, which had been elected in the early spring, adopted a decision about the statehood of Estonia on the 30th of March, 1990, which proclaimed a period of transition that would end when independence was restored. In May the same year, the name of the Estonian Republic was restored. Public use of the symbols of the Estonian SSR, i.e. the anthem, the flag, and the coat of arms was forbidden. And it was stated that the laws adopted in Estonia were valid. These acts activated the forces supporting the empire in Moscow as well as in Estonia. At the all-union level, Estonia was threatened with an economic blockade and introduction of a state of emergency. Local, quote, internationalists organized a noisy meeting in Tampia on the 15th of May, 1990, and even attempted to invade the Tampia Palace, the site of the government of the Supreme Soviet. Shortly afterwards, strikes began in the factories of all union importance. The economic and political pressure of the central power on Estonia and the other Baltic countries increased. Moscow's aim was to make the Baltic countries accept the agreement of federation to tie them to the Soviet Union again. In January 1991, the supporters of the empire attempted to, quote, discipline the Baltic countries by using military force. Several civilian targets were attacked, first in Vilnius and then in Riga. The attacks resulted in casualties. In Estonia, neither public military encounters nor casualties occurred. In January 1991, the rest of the world and democratic forces in Russia increased their support for the Baltic nations. Moscow kept up the hope that the Soviet Union would stay intact. They even arranged a referendum to that effect. The Baltic countries carried out an anticipatory referendum in March 1991. In Estonia, the question, Are you for the restoration of independence and sovereignty of Estonian Republic? was answered positively by 77.8% of the people voting. Even about one-third of the Russian-speaking population supported the independence of Estonia. The results of the referendum prevented any negotiations with the central powers and the agreement of federation. The negotiations could take place only on one question, which was restoration of the independence of Estonia. After Gorbachev had taken office, some economic innovations began in the Soviet Union. In 1987, an extensive plan of economic reform was made public, which aimed at thorough improvement of the socialist planned economy. The result of the economic innovations was a reformed planned economy. The extent of centralization of the economy was reduced. The independence of business establishments was increased, and foreign trade and the system of payment were liberalized. 
but the reform did not bring about a revolutionary change in the economic life. In the Estonian SSR, the economy was reforming according to the Soviet pattern. But the peculiarity of the process here was that a concept of an independent Estonian economy was worked out. The concept was based on the Article of Proposition, Introducing an Independent Economy in the Estonian SSR, by Sim Kallas, Tiet Made, Edgar Savizar, and Mik Tietma, published in the newspaper Edisi on the 26th of September, 1987. The essence of the concept was economic separation of the Estonian SSR from the all-union economic complex. In order to achieve that goal, the Estonian economy had to be subject to local administration. A local budget had to be introduced, and a transfer of goods for money or market relationship had to be carried out, including the introduction of a local currency. The administration of the Estonian SSR of the time had negative attitude towards the concept. Among the population, the idea found unprecedented support and some research establishment started relevant studies. By 1989, an extensive plan for economic reform was drafted, which served as a basis for the Law on Fundamentals of the Independent Economy of Estonia, which was adopted after nationwide discussions in May 1989. At this time, the planned economy was improved on a local level. That is, in the Estonian SSR, adopting laws on prices, businesses, farms, banks, and so forth. This process laid the foundation for continuing economic reforms in the future. The central power of the Soviet Union agreed to give way to a certain extent at the end of 1989. A law was adopted by the Supreme Soviet of the Soviet Union on the economic independence of the Baltic countries. The economic program of the Savizar cabinet was actually an improved version of the concept of an independent economy. In the process of applying it, prices were gradually liberated. The budget of the Estonian SSR was separated from that of the USSR, and the existing monetary system was reformed. On the 1st of January 1990, the Bank of Estonia was restored. These economic reforms were mainly aimed at breaking down the system of a centralized economy, which was unavoidably accompanied by economic decline and imbalance. In the economy, in spite of the growth of private sector, state regulation existed. The essence of the change was that in the heyday of the planned economy, state monopolies existed. But now businesses had taken control. The goal of these establishments was to make as much profit as possible, and this caused a rise in prices. Therefore, inflation was continuously high from the autumn of 1990. This forced people to make their own money, and they started to buy supplies for the future, which brought more money into circulation from their bank accounts. Special coupons were introduced, granting the right to buy a certain rationed amount of goods. Long queues in the shops became a regular feature in the everyday routine, as well as unpaid salaries and pensions. The internal crisis of the Soviet Union culminated in the attempted coup d'etat by the reactionary forces in August 1991. A state of emergency was declared over the whole territory of the Soviet Union, 
and government of the state passed into the hands of the state committee of the state of emergency. The aim of the coup d'etat was to preserve the integrity of the Soviet Union. The government and the Supreme Soviet of the Estonian Republic declared the orders of the state committee of state of emergency illegal. The attempted coup d'etat ruled out negotiations with the central powers and provided Estonia and other Union Republics of the Soviet Union a historic chance to restore its sovereignty. By agreement between different political groups in the late hours of the 20th of August, the Supreme Soviet of the Estonian Republic adopted the decision on national independence of Estonia, which restored sovereignty de jure as well as de facto. International recognition was requested for the restored sovereignty. In order to work out the constitution of the Estonian Republic, a constitutional assembly was formed, comprising an equal number of members of the Supreme Soviet and the Congress of Estonia. On the 21st of August, the attempted coup d'etat failed in Moscow. This was accompanied by normalization of the situation in Estonia. The restored independence received international recognition in a couple of weeks. On the 6th of September, 1991, the state Soviet of the USSR recognized the total independence of the Baltic states and formed a delegation for negotiations with the Estonian Republic. On the 17th of September, 1991, Estonia and the other three Baltic states were accepted into the United Nations. The Estonian Republic appeared on the map of the world as an independent and sovereign state once again. Nagamiseni